welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all of the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. We've got our usual panel with us today. We've got Adam. Hey guys, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Adam Barnhart. Um, you probably won't um, find any old tweets from me because I scrubbed my account. Hashtag lessons learned. <laughs> and we've got Rhiannon. Hey guys, uh, you can find me on Twitter as Brooklyn Wallace. My Twitter handle is at shot of Patron for now. Well, no, it is not changing to Brooklyn Wallace because evidently that one has already been taken. Um, but maybe like Adam, maybe I'll just delete the Twitter twatter. Who knows? I'm on Twitter as at Caleb A. Borchers, and I make sure I put only very, very, very tame things on Twitter. So I'm not too worried. <laughs> Um, let's see, uh, that was the intros, <laughs> I've lost my place, oh, we want to encourage you guys to subscribe to us on YouTube over at watch.marvelnewsdesk.com, also check out the second podcast in the Marvel News Desk family, AP Marvel, uh, this week's episode is going to, uh, has looked at violence and weapons in both Iron Man and Punisher, and kind of what those shows say about violence, so that should be interesting. I know I got to do a episode with them for the first time. I think it won't come out for a couple weeks, but uh, it was fun uh, to record with those guys, so check out their pod. Um, so this is a weird week. Let me start. We're going to start a little heavy. Um, I want to start real quick just by saying um, our condolences to the family of John Schnepp and friends and all those kinds of folks. Uh, if you guys do not know who Schnepp is, uh, he ran a podcast and show on YouTube called Collider Heroes, uh, very similar to our show. My assumption is if you listen to us, there's a very good chance you listen to him as well. Um, and he passed away last week, suddenly, after a uh, kind of a massive stroke, uh, right at San Diego Comic-Con. The news kind of came out. And so, I don't know, I just felt like, as uh, fellow podcasters, I know I listen to him almost every week and learned a lot from him about how we run this show. And so... Um, just wanted to say, um, you know, condolences to his family and rest in peace uh, for John Schnepp. It's really sad to hear him go. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on Schnepp? He was, you know, he's uh, he's a mainstay kind of in comics journalism, if you want to call call it that. You know, it's if if you've watched any sort of Collider video, um, you know, chances are he's in it agree with them or not with some of the his theories and such but i mean the guy was everywhere and he did uh did a lot for podcasters and comic podcasters and the like so you know life's short man life's short you just got to uh read more comics and say less mean things and uh and do more stuff you have to go to san diego comic-con a lot like every year right Rhiannon? Yeah, I remember last year when I went to New York. Um, this is kind of dorky, but that's the moment where I felt like it was really cool to be at Comic-Con was when I saw Schnepp walk past me in the Runaways uh, panel, and I was like, hey, he's sitting right where I'm sitting. And then I saw Roca the next day in the you know press panel for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I was like, oh, those guys are real journalists, and we're here too. And so... Uh, yeah, I mean, Schnepp was always kind of my, my standard for who was real in this biz or not. So, um, really sad to see him pass away. So, keeping it dark and heavy, uh, <laughs> I think we'll start out with, 
Um, so you guys probably know by now, I think the whole internet knows that James Gunn has been, um, fired from Disney. Uh, he is not going to be working on guardians of the galaxy volume three. As of now, there's been a lot of other things coming out as far as the cast kind of support of him and a lot of uh, petitions and attempts to get him back on the movie. Um, in the spirit of some of the things that Chris Pratt, I think tweeted, we want to be uh, smart about, we have lots of thoughts and lots of feelings and we're not confident we'll say them very well. So I think the plan is each of us is going to say something real quick about kind of just our gut feeling on it. And then we'll talk a little bit about guardians three and where it goes from here, but we are not going to deeply dive into this cause we're not confident that we can talk about it in intelligent, kind, good ways without getting super passionate one way or the other and kind of mishandling it. So uh, I guess we'll go around the room. Adam, we'll, we'll go first with you, and then Rihanna, and just uh, just a, a quick thought on kind of where you're at with all this stuff and how you're feeling as we process uh, Gun possibly being gone from Guardians Three. I mean, not to sound super selfish and arrogant, but I mean, you can look in our Slack chat, and I totally called this like weeks ago. But you know, it, yeah, it's tough. It was mainly a joke when I said it in Slack, and they went ahead and did it anyway. Is Disney reading our Slack? Maybe. Oh, I didn't tell you. I, I invited Kevin Jeff both. I didn't know they accepted, <laughs> but I invited them. But it's... Dude said stuff he shouldn't have said. I mean, that's that's kind of the gist of it. And like you said, it's it's pretty deep, and... I get very passionate about really odd stuff. Um, carbon copied Iron Fist on that message. Um, yeah, it, it's unfortunate, you know. Um, the Guardians movies, both of them are in my top five favorite movies. And, I mean, it sucks. I mean, that's it, it sucks because he, he was a huge architect uh, of the MCU. You know, the Guardians franchise, he took these z-list characters and made them into one of marvel's most profitable franchises and and infinity war probably won't have been as big of scale as it was i mean the russos are great but at the same time their two prior movies were both essentially the the movie version of kind of street level superhero stuff um but it happened it sucks uh so it's now time to move on i just hope it's not affecting the uh production of volume three because apparently that was supposed to start in just a few months or later this fall so i just want i mean i i haven't had a chance to look into it as much as i would have liked to have just because i've been a little bit busy the past few days but um everything to me just feels like there's a lot of information that either isn't public or isn't public yet and that's kind of why i was wanting to put off the conversation on this was just to wait and see um, because it sort of feels like a story that's still unfolding and to see if it is unfolding. And if it's not, I mean, it's, I feel like I'm missing something big. So that's just sort of where I am right now. Yeah. Um, as we process this, uh, there's been a lot of talk about like fairness or if it's, it's, you know, if this should have happened or not. Um, I think my, <laughs> my big takeaway, and we're not gonna go into a ton of details is, um, I consume a lot of Disney. Uh, our family does, you know, like I'm a dad with four kids. And so between my love of Marvel and star Wars and between Disney junior and animated movies and Pixar, 
Like I, I am the way that Disney make lot makes lots of money, both for myself and what I buy for my kids. And, um, I really think that a lot of this comes down to the fact that Disney is a children's entertainment company and they make a lot of money on theme parks and they make a lot of money on movies. And, um, I think parents really want to know that if they go to a Disney park or if they show a Disney movie that like the safety of their kids is being looked out for. And unfortunately I think that had a big effect here. And so it's really hard as a Marvel fan. It really sucks. And I hate him to be gone. Um, but as a parent, I also was really horrified when I read some of these things too. And so that's just, it's made it very tough. I feel very much the two minds on it. So, um, like we said, we'll, we'll talk more about it later. I think if we know more about it, but we just felt like, I think that was probably sufficient for today. Um, let's talk about just the business side of it. Uh, guardians three. I mean, let's assume that James Gunn is not an option to come back for three. Uh, we've kind of talked about this. It's pretty popular to talk about on Twitter and things like that. Uh, where does Marvel go? I mean, who can fit in and do this job and get us ready for assuming that guardians three is the may 2020 movie and that there's not another movie that they can thrust up in there quickly that, you know, who can they bring in to save this? They've had the situation before with Edgar Wright and Peyton Reed and Ant-Man where they had to replace a director just a month or two before production. Do you guys have any thoughts about how guardians three could move forward and stay on schedule? I mean, the, the easiest, most safe option right now is probably to put Taika in charge. And that's when we get into all sorts of, I mean, we talked about this at length on Slack, you know, with, with the WGA and stuff. I mean, how far does Disney want to separate themselves from Gunn if they if they don't want to credit him at all? You know they're going to have to pretty much do a whole rewrite of the script, um, which would be super super interesting um, to see. You know, then next year at or San Diego twenty twenty or whatever, everyone's going to be tweeting hashtag release the James cut or release the gun cut. Um, yeah, I I don't know how. I don't know how that stuff works. If they're going to keep him credited as a, uh, a screenwriter or as like a story by credit, because um, I mean a retooling of the script that's that's probably a pretty lengthy process. I don't know how long a screenplay takes to write exactly, um, but one would think if, if they're keeping the release date, they're probably looking at writers now. Um, but yeah, I mean, director-wise, I mean, Taika's probably the safest, uh, this or the safest choice right now, especially after what he did with Ragnarok and the whole cosmic and comedy and and things of that nature. So yeah, I agree that Taika's the the most obvious answer. Um, you know, he's somebody that already knows Marvel, already knows how they operate. Um, you have some like obvious answers that aren't available anymore. I mean, the Russo brothers and Marcus and McFeely have gone off and started their own production studio, um, which I believe is a good place for Gunn to land. I mean, you know, if he's already worked well with the Marvel team, if it's a bunch of Marvel people over there, you know, they're, they're over there doing indie films of their own variety. Um, seems like a lot of freedom over there and folks that know him and may know him on a personal level. 
and able to make their own personal decisions on that. Um, but as far as where this movie goes, rewrites happen. Rewrites can happen quickly. If they use a director like Taika that can make it up as they go, um, there's a lot of options. But I think this also possibly has been in the works for longer than we think. You know, they've it just came public, but who knows how long they've been working on this. They could have sent some of his stuff to be rewritten by others a while ago. And I, I think we even have some disagreement in, in, in what we've talked about. Maybe not disagreement, but we're not sure. Um, I'm not sure that a screenwriting credit is that big of a deal. You know, like a director, particularly for Marvel, directors do media tours. They talk to, uh, you know, do set visits. They uh, even go to like late night shows. And so, you know, having James in that situation, I could see is something that is a very different thing than just having his name on the screen as a screenwriter. With the exception of Marcus and McFeely, who kind of have been given a lot of screen time lately, most of these screenwriters you would not know from, you know, you could walk past the screenwriter for Thor Ragnarok on the street and you'd have no idea who they were. And so I could see Marvel keeping his script, particularly with all this goodwill that's coming from a lot of places and a lot of fan desire to bring him back as director it's almost like a middle of the road path to me to say, yeah, we'll keep his script. We're just going to have someone else direct it and someone else handle the media and all that. Um, we were talking in our Slack. Somebody brought up Nicole Perlman who helped write the guardians one script. I don't know if she wants to direct or if she's, um, if that's like a thing for her, but it would be a very interesting choice. I think, uh, she's definitely someone who knows the characters and has done really well in all the work she's done for Marvel. Uh, my little pet project would be that I'd love to see Brad Bird do it. He's already kind of in that Disney family. He's coming off a movie, and so it'd probably be time for him to jump into something else if he wanted to. And with Incredibles, we have seen that he gets family dynamics and superpowers really well. And I know he's a super pick for Fantastic Four as well. I mean, he's who I want for that movie, since the Incredibles are just great Fantastic Four movies. But... um I'd love to see him pulled in. I think that would be an interesting option. Um, but yeah, it looks... I, I cannot... I don't see a world where this is still not the May 2020 release. The only way that may... The only thing I could see them maybe doing is delaying it six months or a year and bringing that Black Widow movie up from the July date to the May date. I don't think that's preferable for them and I think that would really make them kind of bust their butts but they have a star in place they have a director in place they have a screenwriter in place that's the only other movie i think they could get moving fast enough to get out in time so but even that star is problematic in some ways that just haven't gotten the attention that's true scarjo has not had the best uh, year or so uh when it comes to all sorts of issues surrounding ghost in the shell and uh i don't want to get this is it pull and tug is that the name of the movie she just dropped out of Oh, did she drop out of it? I, I don't know. I, I was just caught up a few weeks ago by actually Michael T. Ford. Okay. caught me up on all yeah. of her drama. I think that'll do for gun talk. I know we didn't talk about a ton, but we have lots of stuff else to cover, and we just feel like the story isn't over yet, and it's super sad. And frankly, I mean, I don't think we would do this, but I could see us yelling at each other by the time it's done because I think we have somewhat divergent opinions 
even amongst the three of us about this, even though we all love the movies and all that kind of stuff. I think we feel pretty different about it. So we already fought. We should release our Slack chat to the public just for transparency. That way we don't have to yell at each other on screen. They can just read our frustrated thoughts to each other. I think the lesson that we should have learned from this, Adam, is that releasing to the public can go badly. What's going to happen is someday you're going to be the general manager of like the Green Bay Packers and Rhiannon's going to be ticked at you and she's going to release, she'll release the Slack chat then and get you, you know, fired. From if the I ever found myself working for the Green Bay Packers, I would release something damning on myself just to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we can agree there. Let's move on. Okay. So the weird thing about this week, we have a ton of San Diego stuff. But there was also other news. So what I think we're going to do for the news, and we also want to talk about Cloak and Dagger, I'm going to I'm gonna list every news story that was not at San Diego Comic-Con that came out. And I'll just say them real quick. And if you guys have one or two you want to talk about, we will, and then we'll move on. Does that sound good? Mm-hmm. Sure. All right. Here it goes. Comcast is out. Uh, Comcast is no longer interested or in pursuing the Fox assets, so Disney is definitely going to snap them up. Yay! Uh, Numan Akar, or Akar, I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your name, Numan, uh, is, excuse me, just been cast for Far uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Could be the Chameleon, could be Kraven, we don't really know yet. Uh, Morbius character breakdowns have come out, and that is moving ahead. They're probably going to start filming that soon. So that it could release in October of next year, similar to the Venom storyline uh, timeline. Uh, Agent Carter season three was going to tell the story of Agent Carter's brother and how he murdered that s- snotty blonde guy at the end of season two. Uh, that comes out from the showrunners. I think that's what most of us were assuming that would be after the cliffhanger of season two. Uh, there's a new agent coming to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 6, as well as a few other characters. Character breakdowns came out via that hashtag show. Also, we know Clark Gregg is directing the first episode. And Jeff Ward, uh, <laughs> the ironically named, uh, who, who plays Deke, is coming back as a season regular next year. Uh, Marvel Rising, the new uh, animated cartoon, for, uh, for mostly for kids and particularly girls, is coming out August 18th, that was released at San Diego Comic-Con. In some of the news about Star Wars, it looks like it leaked that the new Disney streaming service will be called Disney Direct, if you wonder who to make the checks out to. And uh, randomly, the cast of New Warriors was just wandering around San Diego Comic-Con, some of them in New Warriors t-shirts. There was no panel, there was no announcements, we still know nothing about the show, but apparently the cast likes each other enough that they went to Comic-Con together. All right. That is all the random weird news this week. Any of that uh, you want to pick up and discuss for a moment before we move on to to other more pressing things? I was just really interested that they're already filming Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or already, already moving forward with casting and all of that for a show that, you know, isn't going to come out until next summer. It seemed very early. And to me, it makes me wonder if they're wanting to just wrap up S.H.I.E.L.D. if, like, that set is there and they want to tear it down or something. Um, you know, that they know this is the end and they want to go ahead and like move on, get it done and release all the writers and actors and everything to go do other things. Um, so that was a big one for me. Yeah. They, uh, they had their first table read last week and it's, uh, it's being directed by Clark Gregg. Did you mention that? 
Yes, I did. Um, EW informed the cast of S.H.I.E.L.D. that uh, Ward was promoted to a series regular, like on the spot during an interview, and the reaction is absolutely hilarious. Like the EW host was like, oh, and Jeff, you've been promoted to series regular. And everyone else kind of looks at each other. Then all of a sudden, Jeff's like, yeah, 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 I am. Then everyone else gets up and leaves the set. And he just sits there all sad like. <laughs> it's very humorous. That's funny. Yeah, I keep wondering with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think I tweeted about this this week. I know they're saying it won't come out till next summer. But it strikes me that all they're going to need is one one drama to flop that they're not scheduling to flop at ABC and they'll press the show into service in January, right? Like, it just seems logical to me. They, I, I'm sure they calculate that a certain amount of their shows and their pilots are going to fail. And if an extra one fails that they weren't expecting, it just seems like this will be in the can and ready for them whenever they want. They're not going to have to wait for a certain date. Um, and also, we talked about this about last week, Rian. I, I think some of it is just keeping the cast and crew on the same schedule. It's easier than trying to reschedule them, it would seem. Uh, um, I mean, but then they're definitely not going to take Infinity War into account. The sequel. Because we thought that waiting until next summer might be a way to avoid taking into account Infinity War. That is true. And if none of them get dusted, that's going to be a real problem. Oh man, the continuity issues just got real thorny real fast. I'm sorry. I thought I saw somewhere that Jeff um, or Jed Whedon, someone said that season four would play off of Avengers 4. I can't remember if I'm making that up now, though. I thought I read that somewhere. Well, if that's true, it means, first of all, that they're trusting Jed Whedon with the script to Avengers 4, which seems crazy unlikely. But second of all, I mean, it, that kills my theory that they could use it in ja- January. They'll have to definitely wait till next summer. Okay, let's, uh, we'll get to San Diego here in just a second. Let's talk about uh, Cloak and Dagger before we um, do that. Uh, this episode was uh, Terrorize the Old Guys That Ruined Your Life episode. We had Tandy and Ty both uh, come in after the people that um, ruined their lives. We also had a big twist about Tandy's dad. Um, Rhiannon, what did you think of this episode of the show? I think that I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't spoil you, did I? That's okay. I mean, I just went to Comic-Con and hung out at Cloak & Dacker stuff, so I expect to get spoiled. But um, I don't have thoughts on the episode itself. All right. Feel free to pull your uh, earphones out for a bit and we'll uh, we'll let you know. (laughs) Noodles, you guys wave a lot when you're done. (laughs) All right, so I'll cut that. Adam, what did you think of this episode of Cloak and Dagger? I thought it was excellent. The the past few weeks um have gotten better and better, and this this episode there was just so much development. You know, Tandy's sole purpose this season has been to clear her dad's name. You know, she she wants her dad to be the good guy. Um. You know, and she ultimately finds out that her dad beat the piss out of her mom. And that's why her mom is now addicted to drugs and an alcoholic. Um, so just that depth, you know, there there was some little things like uh, 
um, after the, the Lantern release or whatever where Ty was kind of following at a distance. It just just little things. Um, I really enjoyed the episode. Um, the very, very tail end of it, um, which was then confirmed by the C... Oh, I don't want to... Are we talking renewal yet? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you can talk about so, it. So, sure. it was, it was kind of teased in the episode, but uh, confirmed, I mean, uh, O'Reilly is definitely heading down um, the path, and if you've read Cloak and Dagger comics, uh, you know she becomes someone else, which is apparently who we'll see in season two, according to the trailer or the season two announcement trailer teaser. Yeah, I thought, <laughs> um, the Tandy dad thing was definitely not something I saw coming at all when they both touched the mom's hand and they went to the dream world or whatever. I was like, oh, no. Like, I literally, out loud, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, because I didn't expect it. And I was, what I thought for a minute was going to happen was that um, her mom took money from Roxanne to help kill her dad. Like, she had poisoned his coffee or something, and that's what caused him to crash was, like, his heart seizing later yeah. on or something like that. Um, And so I liked that that wasn't it, that the twist, you know, was, was that... Uh, it's really interesting, I think, how quickly and hard she turned. I think in a way that felt a little abrupt, but also, I mean, I don't know what it's like to find out that one of your parents was abusive, that you didn't, you know, like, I'm not judging how she, you know, she can respond to that any way she wants to. So, um, it was, yeah, it was very interesting to see that change very quickly for her. Yeah, I thought that uh, the phone call she made, you know, where she said she'd take the money, I thought that was pretty in character. Uh, I mean, we all inter or react to things differently, uh, but I just thought that that really did make a lot of sense. We finally got Ty with his, uh, he actually used the cloak um, with the powers. I really liked how that uh, the scene was shot where he's walking towards Connors and every time a shot goes off he disappears um i thought that was really dope and the uh the abuse scene was also set to the same exact song that wilson fisk gets ready to in the morning did you catch that oh you're right yeah yeah so look at that it's all connected this uh score is brought to you by wilson fisk also, uh, they mentioned Misty. Misty got name dropped. Name dropped, yeah. Did you see the uh, preview for uh, episodes 9 and 10? I think so, yeah. Two more people got name dropped. And it's not really spoilery because it's in a preview. What? Who was it? I missed that. Stark and Rand. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, maybe I saw a different preview. I don't know. Maybe you did, yeah. yeah. But Scarborough just says... I'm killing everyone because I have to have power because you can't have like the Starks and Rands rule the world. Okay, the show's That's clever. Yeah, this yeah. show's super woke, man. I I did think so. It wouldn't be a review of these episodes if I didn't quibble about something. Do you find it odd that neither of them think to put a mask on? Like they're gonna confront these powerful people who ruined their lives, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna cover my face," you know, like. It seems like that I, might be a wise way, know. you know, like, 
why why does this why does the business guy not immediately go to the cops and have them arrest Tandy for you know like kidnapping her I would think that that would or send someone to her house and have her shot clearly he's willing to assassinate people it seemed like that was a, a falling down point of the, the plot to me yeah yeah I think the powers are part of it kind of the intimidation factor um but for mass I mean they're kids still they're both in high school well Tandy's supposed to be in high school um so they're just kind of young and reckless you know what the kids say hashtag YOLO yeah, I can see where you're coming from, but they're kids. Do you think uh, Ty should keep that cloak all the time? Like, should that be his official superhero costume now, or? I think it's pretty cool. I, it looks kind of odd. It's like he's like a. I, it re- kind of reminds me of uh, a young kid stepping into his older brother's shoes or something. But then again, in the storyline of the show, that's very symbolic, and um, I would guess that's on purpose. So I don't totally dislike it, I guess. I don't mind it that much. Um, I'm just glad he actually put it on and used his powers in it. The comics always had, like, the stripe. Like, he had kind of the black and blue, like, stripes kind of to the cloak. And I love they found a common sense, real world reason to make it like whenever they can bring in a costume, but then also throw us a bone as to like why it's that way, you know, why it's the way we expect it to be. I always find to be really fun. That's super cool. Have we ever learned? I mean, does the cloak kind of provide him the the reassurance to use his powers? Is it kind of like a safe zone type thing? Or has he just learned how to use his powers regardless and he just decided to wear the cloak? I think there is a line of dialogue where he suggests that it helps him in the same way like that garbage bag helped him. Or I don't know, like something about like sheets and cloaks and garbage, like that just, it gives him confidence to use his powers somehow. Gotcha. So. Okay. Um, I did want to ask, this season has really kept it to, like, human protagonists, you know, attacking Roxxon and the, the New Orleans PD. Uh, it seems like next season we're definitely going to go towards some more superheroed characters. As you said, they dropped hints that uh, we're going to see Mayhem as a major villain of season two. Uh, it was also revealed this week that um, Mr. Jip apparently appeared in, like, episode six. Uh, I must say, I do not know. I did not know that was a character. It also seems roughly like a racial slur. Like, I guess it's not, but I don't know. There's something about it that just sounds off. Um, but it was weird because he was in the episode. And then like a week later, they're like, hey, you ever like somebody was doing an interview with the showrunner and said, are you guys going to do superhero villains? He's like, well, we had Mr. Jip last week. Did nobody notice? Which I thought was kind of weird. So I don't know. What do you think about kind of adding superpowered antagonists? Uh, totally. You know, and I went back and read uh, through the first two volumes of Cloak and Dagger this weekend. Mayhem's not necessarily a villain. Um, you know, she dies and then she comes back and essentially she's the... If Cloak and Dagger were Superman, Mayhem's kind of like the Ben Affleck Batman type deal. You know, she... Uh, she hates the cops but doesn't have the moral compass to know well enough to keep them alive. 
you know so I mean that's certainly where they're heading on this path um, yeah you sent me that article I had no idea um, that he appeared he appeared apparently in one of those dark force dimension nightmares during the basketball game um, but yeah I wasn't paying well enough attention if you guys want uh, some super in-depth behind-the-scenes stuff follow uh, Joe Pekoski on Instagram because every every it's like throughout the week he'll post the Easter eggs in that week's episode and he's super super uh, in tune with the Easter eggs like last week one of the cloak and dagger characters wore like a green letterman jacket in the comics and that was in the episode in some shape way or form um, so yeah he's uh, he's kind of really in tune with the Easter eggs and connectedness of all this yeah, the villain, um, the vision was the drug dealer. Remember, he was, like, following that drug dealer oh, with the yeah, red yeah, backpack? Yeah. yeah, okay, yep. That's the one that had the vision. And at the time, I thought it was just, like, a generic horror movie. Like, I thought, like, his nightmare, he didn't have anything bad enough in his life to have a real nightmare. So it was just, like, some corny, like, like night nightmare on Elmwood Street thing, you know, or whatever. And it turns out that it's some superhero villain that's apparently creeping around new orleans messing with people so it'll be really interesting to see how they develop that particularly if he's like stuck in their dream world and like comes into the real world i don't know it'd be, it'd be interesting to me it'd be super dope if they started kind of the mysticism and stuff isn't man thing from new orleans i think we've talked about this he's from a swamp somewhere so maybe i'm just i mean florida's swampier than new orleans right i'm bad with my geography I know it's not swampy in Iowa, that's for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, I think we also tease that the swamp is called the bayou, I believe, in New Orleans. I don't know. Rhiannon's the only one that could help us with this. so. But she's not listening because she doesn't want spoiled. Right. <laughs> all right. Are we all done with the yeah, cloak and dagger for this week? Rhiannon, join us. So anyways, Caleb, what would you think of, you know, Matt Murdock and Ty and Tandy's dialogue during Cloak and Dagger? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was around some people that would have told me about that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Uh, no more, no more preliminary stuff. It is time to talk about San Diego Comic Con. Uh, Rhiannon was obviously our our woman on the street. She was there for all of the fun and all the goodness. Um, Rhiannon, let me just start with a general question. It seemed to outsiders, I've heard this several places partially because Marvel wasn't there that this was kind of a tame Comic-Con that like there weren't any like jaw dropping bombs dropped that was a bad sentence but anyways like you know there just wasn't uh, there wasn't some of the excitement that there sometimes is at a, at a con did it feel that way when you were there or did it feel pretty uh, pretty lively yeah it definitely felt that way while I was there I mean it's still San Diego Comic-Con I mean it's there's no way to make that boring but it did even i mean you know even just i mean marvel was there just not marvel studios but even like at their booth and at their panels that they did have they were very on script and very to the point very short on surprises um there just wasn't a whole lot that 
yeah, it, it, it was very ugly, but it was a very quiet. I mean, it wasn't just the Marvel Studios wasn't there. Marvel Studios wasn't there. HBO wasn't there. Stars wasn't there. Netflix had one show that they were that it seemed that they were really promoting but not you know last year they had a big offsite that had the defender stuff and stranger things and everything they didn't have anything like that this year um the the folks that showed up were dc and dc took everything and ran with it um but even dc like they brought the trailers we expected but there were not any major announcements out of DC even, I don't think. Yeah, and and that's the type of stuff that I wasn't able to follow, just getting all of my stuff done. Um, and that's the thing, like even, yeah, there, there were very, it was funny because I had to sit through one panel before the Venom panel that I had, you know, very little, didn't know anything about. And, you know, it got to the end and I was like, oh, they're about to get their big surprise announcement. And it wasn't, you know, it was just like a little gag. Um, I kept waiting for panels to have big surprise announcements and all that, and it just really, you're, you, it didn't seem to be happening. Not just on Marvel stuff. Yeah, like you said, not just on DC. So, um, yeah, it, it felt different. I've been trying to put my finger on, I mean, felt different. I've been to two. But I've been trying to put my finger on what exactly felt. But a lot of people that have been to more have said that it felt off. Um... Because it definitely wasn't like, ooh, but this way you had a lot of free time to go and do other things. Because everything at San Diego is packed to capacity. Those off-sites that are offered, they have two to four hour waits to get in. Uh, you know, all of the exclusive sales on the showroom floor, they cap those lines. I mean, there's lines to get into lines. Like, to even just shop at the Marvel booth you had to get there at a time when they were handing out stickers. Those stickers had a time. And at that time you could get in line to give them money. Um, so it's not like there's other opportunities when some opportunities disappear. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. But it was definitely light this year. Did the, um, just quickly, did the schnep and or gun stuff, could you kind of tell that that was bugging people? I didn't hear anything about Schnapp. Um, but there was a lot of chatter about gun. Just um, a lot of the conversations that I had this year, it's like, you know, when you're trying to see a panel uh, and you didn't, I didn't try to get press access for any of the panels this year because I was traveling with somebody that didn't have a press badge. You get on in there a panel or two or five early and then, you know, in between stuff, you end up chatting with the people around you. And there was lots of chatter about gun. I didn't hear much about Schnepp. But it could just be that I was in circles that, that the news hadn't gotten to them yet or didn't know him by name. I think if a lot of times you had said that guy from Collider, people would have known. But, but people were definitely talking about gun. Let's jump into the panel. So uh, let's start with Iron Fist, Netflix. Actually, let's start with three words typhoid freaking mary i think <laughs> you are if you don't know this is rhiannon's favorite marvel character i think or close uh how are you feeling about typhoid mary coming to iron fist rhiannon <sighs> one i mean that panel i was in like third row um in front of jeff Loeb, and he was going through and doing this thing where he dragged out and he was trying to give hints 
And somewhere in this, because I'm live tweeting as I'm there and listening to everything, I missed that he had said, like, whoever gets this can come give Alice Eve a kiss or something. And um, so as soon as it clicked in my mind, I just started shouting expletives. And, um, you know, the guy near me shouted, Typhoid Mary. So he got to, like, go on stage and everything. But um, I was, I, I, I mean, I'm super excited for her to be coming to the Netflix universe, to, to Marvel and getting to be in this world. I mean, I'm excited about it because maybe it means eventually she'll get to interact with Matt Murdock. Because one of my favorite things about Typhoid Mary is her relationship with Matt Murdock and everything that she has. Um, for anybody that doesn't know who Typhoid Mary is and hasn't seen all the headlines and seen it described someplace else, she has multiple person, or I guess now it's called Dissociative Identity Disorder. But being Marvel Comics from like the 80s, you know, she's your. Uh, in the comics, a very stereotypical multiple personality disorder. And she has like a meek Mary side that was dating Matt Murdock. And then there's crazy, the, the typhoid Mary side that sets people's hair on fire and ends up doing some work for Wilson Fisk. So, uh, you know, obviously they're giving her a different storyline and they're um, going to have her, the one clip that they showed of her, she was in Joy Meacham's townhouse and um, and had a big fight with machetes. So there's, um, you know, they're obviously taking her in a different direction. I know there was a lot of talk before about her being in Jessica Jones. I had really hoped that she would end up being the redhead from Jessica Jones season one. I'll leave judgment. I, I don't, we'll talk about the rest of the Iron Fist panel and I have some overall arching thoughts. Well, go ahead. Give them to us. We're, we'll, we'll let you give us the info, and then me and Adam will talk about what we think about what you've told us. Okay. So, I mean, the main focus of the Iron Fist panel was we hear your complaints about our fights, and we are working to fix them. They had the stunt coordinator there on stage, just, yeah, showrunner, stunt coordinator, cast. This was obviously the focus, and every single clip they gave was fight scenes. Um. I am a horrible judge on height fight scenes. I mean, nothing about the original Iron Fist bothered me about the fights. Um, I believe there's a lot of stuff. And, and to jump to the Typhoid Mary side, I have no idea how she's going to play in. So that trailer that's been released that everybody's seen, it starts with the there's a war coming, which I don't think anybody needs another freaking war coming in the Netflix MCU. Yeah, it felt like Defender's dialogue rehashed to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just like, there's a war coming, but like... And um, New York City roads can't have Danny punching the asphalt like that too frequently. Like, it's way too expensive to fix those. Um, there, there was a lot... Every single fight... I mean, so Loeb made it clear... You know, Marvel was really focusing... They're focusing on the fights. Every single fight... And I hate to even bring this up or mention it, but every single fight was against Asians, except for the Mary clip. So I'm like, they've heard one complaint, and I don't think they care about the other. But it really felt like they were going in a new direction. They showed a clue. You know, I'm sure everybody's heard about the fight in Kunlun. I don't know what's made what's been made public from that. 
the big Davos Danny fight. It was beautiful and amazing and um just sort of everything that I think people were wanting from the Conlon side of of getting well, not everything everybody was wanting from the Conlon side, but but it was Conlon. Um and then you have Typhoid Mary. Like, you know, of the of the four or five clips they gave us, you have all of this mystical and, you know, war is coming stuff. And then you have your disassociative, your disassociative identity, your multiple personality girl that also a very good fighter. And maybe it turns out that she's associated with Davos. Maybe, you know, they're doing all kinds of new things with her. I just don't see how she's going to fit. And my current concern is that it'll be kind of like Daredevil season two where you have the Punisher storyline and you have the Electra storyline and they don't entirely and and it's just a little jarring of how they all get worked in but that's my thoughts now a few follow up questions we get the sense that maybe possibly we could hope to see a dragon from some of the things they said so the Davos Danny fight that they showed was in Kunlun and it was the fight to determine who would get to go against Shalal. The clip ended with the elders in Kunlun declaring that Danny got to fight the dragon and Danny walking into a wall of light, basically. And that's where it ended. So will we get to see a dragon? I don't know. Um, but they really hinted I mean really hinted that that would be I mean who knows maybe we'll just get two red lights again <laughs> um, also we've talked about this but for our listeners there was no indication of we've talked about if it's going to be 10 or 13 episodes we didn't hear about that and also we know Misty's there but we don't really know how much Misty's there so Misty's involved um, there was a clip with her and Colleen again. Um, and I don't remember a whole lot about it. I must have been live tweeting something else when they were going over a lot of the Misty stuff. Um, she she made a comment about feeling like a third wheel in the show, which um, we've already gotten some Twitter conversations on out there. Um they did not they've been releasing episode titles haven't they have we been counting those yeah that's that's essentially what it's it's got to be episode titles they are at uh four i do believe oh okay well i'm sure there'll be more than four episodes but um i don't remember hearing anything clearly for me in my head it's 13 and there's I assume that's it, but I forgot that that was still up in the air, so I did not catch that. All right, Adam, that's a lot. We know you love Iron Fist. What 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 are your you know <laughs> you've been marinating on this for a while? What are you thinking, man? Yeah. Um, you know everyone's saying Iron Fist uh, looks a lot better season two, and all I have to say is, you know, you haters that hated season one can't hop on this Iron Fist bandwagon now. It's too full, you know. Nah. There's always room on the bandwagon, Adam. Oh, well, there's plenty of room on the Iron Fist bandwagon. Trust me, it's like me and two other dudes I met on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did. 
the whole convention I sported, I had my Iron Fist lanyard, and um, my buddy that went with me wore her Kanlan shirt. So, so we were representing Iron Fist. Yeah, I mean, I was watching Marvel um, for the past three or four years or whatever. Marvel Entertainment has had their YouTube live stream, um, and they kind of went to. Uh, they didn't really do a Q and A with the Iron Fist cast, but after they were doing the signing, I noticed the signing. It was, uh, it was Jeff uh, Raven Metzner was there, Finn, Alice, Jessica and uh simone and then there was this guy um he kind of reminded me of john amon the prince of orphans from the iron fist run he's kind of this old monkish type bald guy um and then jeff introduced him as clayton barber and i'm like who the hell invites the fight coordinator to an autograph signing you know so it's kind of pretty clear that they're they're taking the the, the fight scenes seriously with this um, the footage, it, it all sounds great. That teaser was incredibly underwhelming. I was hoping we'd actually get a, a trailer trailer. If, if it's anything like the Luke Cage timeline, we would get probably the first full trailer within the next week, two weeks, something of that nature. I, I guess um, we did kind of bury the lead. The show is coming out September 7th, right? Yes. We've not talked about that right. part yet. Right, which is relatively quick. I mean, we're like a month and two weeks away. Um, so it's, it's full steam ahead. Um, I mean, the footage confirmed that Davos, uh, he may or may not pick up the Steel Serpent title since that's technically the name of heroin in the MCU now. Um, but he does get an Iron Fist, which as I understand it is red. And he also has the, uh, wingless dragon tattoo, um, on as well. One of the uh, episode titles or episode pictures on the Iron Fist Twitter kind of teased like the, the Golden Tiger Gang, um, which is a super obscure group uh, from Iron Fist Volume 1 back in the 70s. So maybe that's kind of the uh, new group that Davos works for or Typhoid Mary works for. Um, yeah, I don't know. I... I I don't want to, like Rhiannon said earlier, I don't want to run into kind of the Daredevil 2 problem where you have, you know, you have the hand storyline with Elektra and you have have the Punisher storyline. Um, I, I mean, everything so far I've heard sounds pretty encouraging. You know, Raven Metzner in the panel said that he's enough of a fanboy. He attended the Defenders panel as a fan last year. So if, you know, you have... If you have fans write these shows and movies, you know, that's where we've seen the better properties come to light. So, I mean, everything they've said so far sounds great. Typhoid Mary is one hell of an addition, um, especially with the Netflix stuff. They can get super, super deep and gritty and dark, and grounded with her. Um, but yeah, everything, I mean, everything sounds dope and encouraging so far. Yeah, I, my only reflection is what you talked about with sort of balance of everything. Like, I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, well, we've got Danny. And have we heard if Luke Cage is showing up at all in this season? Or did we only know that Danny was in Luke? We haven't heard anything about Luke Cage showing up in this. Right. So we still, we have the development or Jessica. of... Jessica. Right. 
We've got the development of Danny. Uh, we have kind of this thing where he's picking up for Daredevil and trying to be the defender of New York City, and we kind of got some of that language in the trailer. We've got his relationship with Colleen. We have the creation of the Daughters of the Dragon continuing. We have flashback stuff with da Davos and hopefully Shao Lao. We have uh, the Meachums still alive and kicking, and they, I'm sure they have to have some kind of subplot. The Meachums are somehow tied in with Typhoid Mary. I'm assuming Madame Gao is still running around somewhere and is going to be part of this, you know. And so it's just, um, it's a lot of pieces that I don't know how they fit together. And they may fit it together perfectly in a beautiful way. I'm just, I'm hearing lots of things I'm excited about. I'm just not sure how they work together. And I think that'll be interesting to see kind of develop and and clear up as, as time goes on. So yeah, I wonder if they're just kind of retiring the hand. Um, I mean, in the synopsis released, it it only listed the people at the panel plus um, Pelfrey and Jessica Stroop um, as cast members. But then again, they've never announced Madame Gao. What's her name? Like, Wai Ching Ho? I can't remember her name. But they, she just kind of shows up. They never really announce her anyways. Yeah, and where we left off, I mean, Davos and Joy were super tied up in Madame Gao, right? Yeah, not necessarily intentionally. She was kind of eavesdropping. But that would be one hell of a coincidence if they're all at the same bistro getting getting food. But who knows? All right, uh, so we got to keep moving. Uh, Rhiannon, um, you did not go to the Cloak and Dagger panel. That's correct? Correct. Oh, it was the same time as the Venom panel. Did you get to go do your bungee jumping deal? Oh, my gosh, you guys. They totally made up for the black and white cookies. Um, I mean, I really could have used a cookie, but... They had this really cool offsite or activation is what they're called. Um, and they had, I, I mean, I posted some pictures of it on our Twitter feed. You got, I have a Roxxon lanyard now, like an employee badge for Roxxon where they would take your picture and, you know, give you a lanyard and badge and then the Roxxon sign. And then they had that full inside of the church set up and, actual like stunt coordinators in there they, that were like suiting you up and you got to do this little stunt where they pulled you apart as you know as you touched so my friend and I got to like yeah you know, and, and I mean like this it was a lesson in doing this stunt like there was a, a stunt coordinator there teaching you about the safety of it and you know what you did and how camera tricks what they were going to do and how it would all work out and then I have a video of the two of us being blown apart that I may one day share on the Twitter if I don't just delete the Twitter but um, it was it was very cool so they very much made up for their um, lack of anything interesting at New York Comic Con it was more than black and white stuff but I did hate to miss their panel was there any news I don't think they said a whole lot at that point. I mean, the biggest thing is they were renewed for a season, a second season. So, um, 
Um, I, I don't. I mean, maybe they showed some footage from the last two episodes, but I mean, we're gonna see that soon enough. Adam, do we have a double episode next week, or are we get two more weeks of Cloak and Dagger? I don't know. Usually they upload the uh, the. Um... Normally they upload the episode to the press site on Monday and they didn't today. So I'm not sure what the deal is. I don't think it's a double episode. At least it hasn't been announced as it. So yeah, I don't know what's going on. All right. So you were in the Sony panel instead. Uh, I guess, first of all, Rhiannon, tell us a little bit about Into the Spider-Verse. I know it's probably not the property you were most excited to see. What did you think of the stuff they showed from... uh, the animated film coming out this this fall. No, I, I have to say, of the two, I mean, you know, it was a one-hour panel and half of it was Into the Spider-Verse and half of it was Venom. Into the Spider-Verse was so entertaining. Um, they, they showed a lengthy clip trailer. I don't know what it would really be because they, they made all the disclaimers that it wasn't entirely finished. And it just, it keeps looking more and more interesting. I don't know how much we already knew about this story, but it's a 40-year-old Peter Parker from another dimension. Like, Spider-Man in this universe is dead. A 40-year-old Peter Parker from another universe comes into this universe and mentors Miles. And and then there seems to be just sort of this fabric and all the other spider-people or spider-spideys, because they're not all people, um, start showing up. So we get, you know, Spider-Gwen, we get Spider-Ham, Spider-Noir. Um, I'm sure I missed details. I tried to tweet out as much as I could. Super thanks to the people sitting around me in that panel that I could be like, who was that? What was going on? And get the tweets out. Um, but it just, it looks so good. Like everything we see on this, to me, it just gets more and more exciting. Like it looks better. It's... um Something about just the colors in it. I mean, I don't watch a whole lot of animated stuff. So, Caleb, I, I'm sure you'd have much deeper thoughts seeing it. But to me, it's very vibrant. It feels like a very unique color scheme that very much gives it its own tonal feel. And um, I, I think it's going to be... I, I mean, I'm excited for it. And it doesn't come out till like, December. Yeah, near Christmas. It's like a week or two before Christmas, I think. Was it accurate? So one of the footage descriptions I read has said that they actually are going to kind of have like the the thought bubbles and the caption panels or the caption, whatever the captions and the uh, sound effects kind of fonts in the footage. Was that accurate? We've seen a little bit of that in the trailers. Yeah, in the trailer where, like, the car was breaking and it, like, said the screech sound effects or whatever. So I wasn't sure if that was just the trailer or what. I saw one footage description pointed that out, but none of the others. I did not notice it. You mentioned the animation style. So much animated stuff today is all, like, DreamWorks face CGI, like, computer junk. Like, any more stuff by Illumination or Sony Animation or DreamWorks, it all just feels the same to me. Disney stuff usually is a little better, but this is like this stylistically is really interesting and really fascinating. Uh, we saw the preview for it before uh, Hotel Transylvania 3 this week. That's what I got to go see at the movie theaters. And 
Um, my kids looked at me because we don't let them do Marvel movies just quite yet. Our oldest is eight, and um, we haven't quite started doing MCU stuff with them. But they immediately looked at me, and like all three of them that can talk were like, "Are we allowed to see that one?" You know, like they could tell it was animated, and they were like pumped. Like they thought it was really cool. They kind of know who Spider Gwen is, um, and so they were uh, they were into it. So yeah, I think it's definitely gonna appeal to that bunch. So they're gonna get to see it, right? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Well, I I don't know. I mean, if it's PG thirteen, I don't know. We'll see. Dad, can we talk about how perfect of a casting John Mulaney as Spider Man? <laughs> yeah, is? that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Okay, and we can talk. Can we talk about how little I know about Spider Man? That I was like, are they ripping that off of The Simpsons? <laughs> <laughs> So now, now that we're getting more of these, I'm really, I am a sucker for Scarlet Spider. I started reading comics at such an age that, like, the original Spider-Man story that I came into was the clone, you know, the clone saga, which I know for many comic fans is considered terrible. But Ben Riley and that Scarlet Spider suit, if we get, you know, the sweatshirt and everything, um, or maybe even the, um, the, like, four do you know these four characters that Peter creates when he sort of come back from the clone? It's like Ricochet and oh, Peter Parker creates like these four dumb and the four Spider-Man books like Web of Spider-Man, Amazing, Spectacular and Spider-Man. They made it like Web of Ricochet and like there was these four personas that he came up with where he did his crime fighting like a quarter of the time as different characters. Anyway, I'd love to see those too. Like I'm getting greedier and greedier with how weird they need to go with all this stuff. So, <laughs> all right, Rhiannon, um, Venom, tell us what you thought, um, of, uh, well, if you, I mean, tell us what it's like to see, um, well, what's his name? Hardy in person. <laughs> and then you can also tell us about what Venom was like. Well, I, I, Hardy does nothing for me. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, just I don't know why. I everybody seems to love him. Um, he, well, in one, I mean, I was watching him on the big screen. I was in the back of Hall H. We didn't camp out or anything to be up front. Um, but I don't know. Like, I just cannot get excited about Venom yet. And they didn't have... I don't feel like there was anything really interesting that came out of the panel. Um, except for maybe Riot. Which, there again, thank you to the people sitting around me to explain that that's what I was seeing. Um, and the person on Twitter that explained to me why it was Riot and not Carnage. That was in the longer clip today. Just like Adam, do you know who Riot is? No. Yeah, there you no. go. He just shook his head no, no for those <laughs> not watching at home. So, yeah. No, go ahead, Rhea. Sorry. I just, <laughs> you are not to blame for not knowing who Riot is because I had no idea who Riot somebody, is. So like, yeah. Uh, there was somebody on Twitter that corrected me that it was Riot and not Carnage because of the color. Um, the people around me thought it was Carnage. But anyways, in the clip, we see like more than one, you know, Venom creature. Symbiote. More than one symbiote. Um. And, and the longer, you know, the longer little bit that we saw, 
it was more of the same to me. It was, you know, just a little bit um, flushed out more than the trailer that we've gotten so far. Um, I'm still interested in the movie. I'm trying to think if there was any, if there was anything else like extraordinary about it, I would have. They they had that weird conversation of if Tom Holland would be showing up, which in the panel seemed, and it wasn't like these were fan questions from the audience. This was the moderator, you know, like, hey, is this the same universe as Tom Holland's Spider-Man? And they were like, maybe. And I was like, oh my gosh, is Tom Holland about to show up? Like, are they about to announce something? You know, back to this, you know, are there big bombshells? Are there big announcements? You know? And they're like, well, is this, you know, and, and the, it was just a whole big pile of maybe. And I didn't even understand why they were bringing it up as a part of the panel. Um, and it went nowhere because it was just like, we can't tell you that. And um, yeah. so Yeah, it almost sounded like they didn't hardly know the answer to that question. It was like they were like, it seemed like our conversations about Holland's appearance is as intelligent as their conversation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, totally. Uh, it was, it was very odd. Like, I mean, I, this, I don't think this was one of those panels that had a, well, this panel did have some last minute changes because this is evidently what Gunn was supposed to be at. This is cause he was saying Friday, 615 Hall H. And that was, um, you know, so maybe they had some really big announcements planned, but had to make some last minute course corrections. But it, it was odd. Now, I'm, I've been meaning to ask you, we've talked some about the rating of Venom and that, you know, is it going to be an R or are they going to wimp out from that? Um, so my understanding, you saw footage of venom biting someone's head off do you feel like the footage you saw is going to necessitate an r rating i'm try. i so i don't have a vivid memory of seeing a head be bitten off so but i remember like seeing something to that effect so i think it's a situation where they may have filmed it delicately enough that it may not necessitate an r rating um and I apologize because it is just not seared in my memory what happened. <laughs> it's fine. Um, it, but it was, you know, like the venom going at somebody. I think the decapitation was more implied than actual. Yeah, like you, it's sort of off camera in a way. So they might get away from an R rating. I didn't come away from it thinking, oh my God, this is incredibly gory. Or, oh my gosh, this is incredibly you know, I, I I didn't come away from it thinking there was any obvious reason that it had to be R-rated. Generally, did you like the visuals of Venom? I mean, you've gotten to you got to see him. I hear more than we've seen him so far. Did it? I mean, one of the big things that came out. There's no uh, big white spider on his chest, which seems to make sense. But did you like the way he looked? The character design? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, but you guys, I liked the way he looked in the previews that we have seen that you guys seem to be upset with the CGI quality. So I thought it looked well done. 
I thought it looked realistic. I mean, it give to me it gives a very aliens vibe. Um, the height of eighties horror movies. So maybe that's not a glowing recommendation, but I I think it looked fine. I mean, it looked very realistic, as realistic as a uh, symbiote. You know, fictional creature could be right this is where uh going back to talking about collider heroes and schnepp um uh robert meyer burnett is one of the guys that works with him on heroes and he talks about this word verisimilitude and that that's what we really want in a superhero movie it means it looks real despite the fact you know it's definitely not real right like you know iron yeah. man suits don't exist but the one that's in the MCU Iron Man movies looks like one that feels like it should exist, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, just to confirm, too, so there was no discussion at the Sony panel of Morbius, Silver and Black, Nightwatch, none of that stuff, right? Nothing but Venom. Wow. It just see, I mean, at the Iron Fist <laughs> panel, there was nothing about the other shows. At the Venom panel, nothing about the others. At the at the enter this you know the Spider Verse part, nothing about the future of that either. It just seems so weird to me that you're going to start a Jared Leto starring Morbius, and it's probably going to film in a couple months. Like that is the great moment to be like, and when Venom is over, this universe keeps expanding. Bring out Jared Leto, you know, like it seems like that would have been the way to go. But I, I don't know. It seems very odd to me that they have three projects that they're supposedly working on to some degree and they chose to share nothing from any of them other than Venom. It just seemed like all the, uh, I mean, looking for ad pictures in these uh, now surfaced panel videos, it just seems like the panels were super, super light. You know, Iron Fist's panels of what four actors and two crew members was probably the biggest you know when they the shazam cast went out there were three people i think and like jason momoa i'm not even sure if james wan was at his panel and then wonder woman was only two or three people it just seemed like they were pretty uh pretty thin what venom was uh hardy riz ahmed and the director right but like jenny slate and michelle williams weren't there they were not. Okay, well, the that's the Venom. It's it's so interesting because I feel like the build up to San Diego, a lot of the talk was with Marvel gone. This was your chance to own a Comic Con, and it just seems like every. I mean, DC kind of made it an attempt. They had a couple of good trailers, but man, if I'm Sony, I am just like, I am trying to make my, myself the buzz of the entire con, and it just doesn't seem like that's what they even tried to do so in dc's defense it's probably a good thing they didn't announce like an entire slate right (laughs) (laughs) it shows that they're it's it's character development dc's developing so look at that they've grown up and they've they actually just promoted the movies that they know they can produce because they already filmed them well, I was reading today that Birds of Prey is getting tax credits from California, so it seems like that would mean it's really happening. But 
Anyway, we're not here to talk about DC. We have far more interesting. Uh, Rhiannon, I forget. I know there was also a Legion panel, a Deadpool panel. Any of those things interesting or anything you want to talk about that we've not talked about Marvel-wise from San Diego? Um, no, yeah, I didn't make it to Deadpool. I made it to Legion. But there was absolutely, you know, they know nothing about season three at Legion. Um, I made it to Deadpool's apartment. And we might have some announcements related to that. We'll see. Um, there were some cool offsites and stuff for Deadpool. The uh, digital and DVD releases coming out soon. Um, but yeah, just no news. I mean, there were some cool experiences for fans. I posted some videos to our YouTube channel. Um, just some general con experiences so you guys could see what it's like but also like a Deadpool um, some Deadpool stuff that they had um, but the announcement yeah I mean even over at the booth like normally I mean last year at San Diego they were handing out posters one by one and the booth it just the posters at the booth you sent me a picture of like a Thanos motivational poster but like, I didn't see anything that cool at the booth or, you know, usually if there is something like that, you have people going away. Um, there were some Iron Fist posters, a lot of Cloak and Dagger posters, nothing. Um, I never saw any sort of Legion, which that might have been over at FX somewhere. I didn't see anything. There was nothing promoting Legion at their booth, yet they had Jeff Loeb at their panel. And Jeff Loeb did make a comment about how complicated it would be to start mixing some of these characters up. He was talking specifically about bringing in, like, Xavier to to Legion, but he, um, well, you know, like, there was some nuance to it when he was talking about that, but not a whole lot more exciting. Sorry, you guys. I worked really hard. No, no, no. You did a great job. I mean, I think what we're really seeing is D twenty three. I think is going to be gigantic next year. Yeah. If they don't create just an entirely new event all for themselves, you know, like I've said this before, I'd love to see them do like an Apple style event where they get a bunch of media in a theater and then they like just live stream it and let the whole world go crazy. But I was kind of trying to poke around to see what it takes to get D 23 press press credentials a little bit earlier this week. Cause I feel like D 23 next year might be the weird thing though, is it's, it's in August. So all the Marvel movies for next year will be out by the time D 23 hits next year. But that's an ideal time for a huge, another, Phase dump, isn't it? Yeah, potentially. Yeah, that's that's true. There's no way they do a cool Marvel Studios panel in New York, is there? I mean, Marvel Studios has never come to New York before, but there's a first time for everything. With the timing of Captain Marvel, what if they did like a big time Captain Marvel? Oh, I'm just going to speak this into the universe with the hope that it actually becomes true. They did a big-time Captain Marvel panel on Saturday night at Madison Square Garden. 
I am so there. That would be awesome. I'd go. Speaking of Captain Marvel, um, we should tell you something we decided last week without you, Rhiannon. So we decided that... I haven't listened. Oh, go ahead. I haven't listened to the podcast. I'm a horrible teammate. I don't think I ever listened to the one episode you guys did without me, so don't worry about it. <laughs> um, we've decided that our our summer book reading is going to be uh, Sue uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick's Captain Marvel stuff. So awesome! We didn't set a date for it, but you can start reading away at it. I've read like the first seven issues now, and I love it. So, uh, Love Waffle sent in some stuff to the e uh, website last week. Uh, just talking about a few movies he was trying to pitch. Him and Adam got into a discussion about Deadpool Kills the MCU as a uh, idea for a movie, which I thought was kind of interesting. So definitely go to the website if you want to see a little more of that. Um, uh, Michael T. Ford has been in the live chat, um, and he had lots of good stuff. Um, oh, he asked about The Gifted. The Gifted had a panel that had a trailer. I honestly didn't watch it because I am now I've just started catching up. I watched an episode or two of The Gifted this week to try to get caught up for the fall. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm sure that trailer was lovely. And I wasn't able to make it there. It was on my try to get to list, but I didn't. It conflicted with something else. Um, and there was nothing at the Marvel panel for The Gifted. So I guess that would have been, or nothing at the Marvel um, booth for the Gifted. I assume maybe that would have been over at Fox or somewhere. I don't know. I did not see anything for it. Uh, Michael also mentioned uh, that he felt like Carnage is probably being saved for the sequel of Venom, which I think is right. We talked, I think, last week of... I kind of like it when they get the main villain and save him for the second one and kind of introduce the character and then get there. So uh, hopefully, well, I don't know if I hope there's a second Venom, but I do want to see Woody Harrelson as, as Carnage. So uh, I guess that much I hope that we get to see. Um, also, oh, this is the other thing I want to talk about real quick. Rihanna, you actually, while we're talking about Mailbag, you ran into a Marvel News Desk fan at San Diego Comic-Con. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Well, he recognized him. My badge said MCU Exchange, but um, he recognized me. He recognized I was there with my buddy Shelby, who is very active on Twitter. And um, yeah, shout out to that one nerd, Ron, um, who we... And, and it was weird. I mean, when you're sitting in third row for Iron Fist, you expect to run into other fans, you know, listeners, maybe Twitter followers. I, I did run into somebody there that turned out we were already following each other on Twitter and stuff. But when you're like in the last third of the Venom panel in the middle of the 7,000 people in Hall H and you strike up a conversation and turn out that it's a fan, um, that's really cool. Yeah, so awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it it's still kind of hard for us to believe that people listen to this show. And so, I mean, we like it. We feel like we do a good job, but it does feel a little distant and weird until all of a sudden someone goes, oh, yeah, I listen. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. So 
uh, yeah, that was really fun. Hopefully we'll, I don't know. Maybe we should, tell you what, if you're listening to the show and you want to somehow do some, I should run this by Rhiannon, at New York, like it would be kind of fun to like say, hey, we're all going to meet at such and such a pub, you know, if you're going to be there. I don't know. I'd be up for that. Sure. So yeah, if you're a listener and that sounds cool, let us know and we'll figure out some place to meet up and say hi and pretend like we're celebrities. That'll be great. I'm trying to think of a way to do a GoFundMe to get Adam there, but um, oh, I know, he's already missed his no, chance. I, to no, I'm boycotting it. New York. I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> I'm boycotting that stuff. Mm-mm. Oh, Adam. But yeah, yeah. If you, I mean, if we have a bunch of fans planning to come to New York Comic Con, we'll do something. Yeah, um, yeah. I might just go to the. I'll just buy a plane ticket and go to the M and D meetup. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then yeah. I'll fly back. I'll be like, ah, screw the con. But at least, hey, we could talk. Adam, I don't know how tall you are, but I feel like you and me could try to pass for each other. Like, if we worked to, like, meet the facial hair somewhere in the middle, like, we could impersonate each other pretty easily. <laughs> I've been growing this beard for about three years. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> no, I would ride around six foot. How tall are I'm you? I'm 6'1". We could nice. totally. Yeah, if you guys okay. are planning to do something like less than above books, then maybe <laughs> we shouldn't do it on a live. We should talk, talk it. about it on the podcast. True. Just kidding, Read Pop. Just kidding. We love you. Animate you, but we love you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's like OJ releasing the How I Did It book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was if I did it. If I did it, Adam. If I did it. Uh, if I screwed over New York Comic Con. All right. I realized the last couple of weeks I have not done the part at the end of the show, so I'll do that now. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can interact with us lots of ways. Send us messages on Twitter at Marvel News Desk. Also communicate with us via uh, the MarvelNewsDesk.com post each week. If you want to support the show, give us a dollar a month over at Patreon.com slash MarvelNewsDesk. You'll get access to our special MCU film ranking episode as well as uh, videos and stuff that go to Patreon supporters ahead of time. Also, the live stream videos are available for the uh, $5 a month supporters. Uh, the week of and then the week after I've been trying to release those for the $1 so like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Marvel News Desk and definitely subscribe to the YouTube channel at watch.marvelnewsdesk.com you can help the show be visible to others if you leave us a 5 star review on iTunes the number one most important thing you do for us though is you listen every week and you tell your friends and we are very appreciative of that Thanks to Tim Cox for our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Tim V. Cox. And thanks to Alvin for the theme music. You can find him on a variety of social media platforms at The Skull School. I have absolutely no idea what we're going to talk about next week, but uh, definitely talk about Cloak and Dagger and something else. So uh, thanks for listening to the show, and we will talk to you later. Bye.